generally feel good after reading a horror story, and Worms of the Earth is no exception. It is the power to darken a room. When you sit down to read it, you may find the sun sets a little faster and the lamps burn a little lower. But unlike Lovecraft's tales of existential dread, Howard leaves the reader with a broadsword in hand. We are treated to all the best hallmarks of horror, suspense, chills, moral dilemmas, and tragedy. But our hero is not reduced to a gibbering madman. Thanks to Howard's uniquely muscular prose, the story manages to skirt the line between horror and heroism, allowing the reader to enjoy the best aspects of these two genres. A New and Mighty Mission by Matthew John from Robert E. Howard changed my life. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Rogues in the House. Uh, you probably recognized that this is not Alex speaking. Um, Alex is not currently with us because he's busy, uh, but we do have another individual here. Um, we'll let him say hi first. Dean, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me on the uh, podcast. I, no. It's a great honor. I've listened Thank you. to, I think, all of your podcasts. And uh, now I'm on it. It's like yeah, so cool. Yeah. Um, and as always, I have Matt, our resident barbarian. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, very good. Sorry, you said barbarian. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's good. Uh, wrapping up the school year, so I'm a little bedraggled and tired, but uh, here I am. I noticed that your school year in Canada goes on way longer than mine does. I assume your break goes into um, like September. Yeah. So yeah. See, mine ends in August, like August 10th. So yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. No, ugh, the idea of going into a non-air conditioned school in August is just <laughs> awful to me. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we finish up late, like very end of June, typically. And then we're back around the 7th of September. I actually get shudders when I think about you're like, okay, it's August. I'm going back. I'm like, <laughs> not ready. Uh, not ready. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'm ready either, but yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, glad to be back. It's been about a month we've, rec- we've recorded here. Um, and We've done some brainstorming here because, as we all know, life sometimes gets in the way of things we want to do, and that's why Alex isn't here with us, but we've been brainstorming this a while, and we kind of wanted to extend the uh, uh, Rogue's title to some other members of our listenership, and uh, the first person that popped into our mind here is uh, Dean Geiken, right? To say that is correct. right? That is perfect. Um, who also has his own show, Geekin with Geikin. That is correct. I am okay. the uh, I'm the station director of a uh, college radio station, and with that power comes great responsibility. And sure. so I uh, I took it upon myself to create a show of my own called Geekin with Geikin, and we do much the same as what you do. We talk about cool geeky things, not necessarily always sword and sorcery, but uh, it's every Thursday morning at 8.30 Central Standard Time, except for the month of July, I'm taking a bit of a hiatus. So, As I'm sure you well deserve. Yeah. I was actually, I recorded with you one time when I released my first novel. So mm-hmm. that's on there too. So yeah. um, Dean has been, page. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a Facebook page that will get you all the information you need. Love it, love it. Yeah, um, Dean, Dean has actually Dean, been Dean. listening 
to us since like the very beginning. I think he's one of the very first fans or like listeners, I should say, that commented on our Facebook that gave us some advice for recording because he's so experienced with it. Um, so it's actually a pleasure to have him on as well. So, yeah, he, he hit me up back in the day. Uh, geez, man, it's been like years now. Yeah. Um, and was like, will you come on my podcast? I was like, yeah, who is this? I don't even know what, what's going on. I mean, people want me to talk about stuff. Yeah. And, that, uh, that was yeah. a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. I think that was when I was, I was partially, uh, I split my teaching job. So I was only teaching like 60%. And then I was doing the other part with monolith, which was like, I don't know. I didn't love that balance. So I'm kind of just freelancing and uh, doing the other stuff on the side. Sure. Not, not, not any fault of monolith. It was just like a weird balance where like you're going to work some days, you're not other days. And then you end up doing two full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. No, I prefer the one job. I just mow yards on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what are we doing here, Logan? We got, um, I mean, should we perhaps just bust into the, uh, open the gates to the bazaar of the bazaar and talk about our titles and then come back and maybe uh, talk about the topic du jour. Yeah, no, I love it. Dean, why yeah. don't you go ahead and uh, let, let us know what you got? Okay, What's, for uh, peaking your interest this time. Well, first off, of the bizarre of the bizarre, um, I want to say thanks for letting me be on the podcast. But this is bizarre because uh, when I do listen to your show, I listen to it at 1.25 or 1.5 speed. So you guys are like really slow right now. This is your normal speaking voice. I'm used to hearing <laughs> you guys sounding a, just a tad bit like chipmunks. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, what I've been kind of occupying my time with has been, uh, I'm a big gamer. I I love board gaming. I'm also into RPG gaming. I'm not so much of a video gamer, um, but I still do some of that. I kickstarted a thing called Legendary Kingdoms, and they've come out with, and I know it sounds a little childish, but it's really freaking cool. It's called uh, Legendary Kingdoms Valley of Bones. It's a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure role-playing game where you actually have four characters that you control and they have stats like any other RPG. And it's not that it's a cool choose your own adventure game, the writing and the detail of the description of, of the encounters and stuff like that. And the actual uh, mechanics of the game are really, really great. And I would highly suggest that you can still buy the uh, first volume, you know, just like off the shelf. If you order from it, it's legendary kingdoms, but the Kickstarter's already done and I'm waiting for the second, uh, second volume to come out yeah i'm looking at i'm looking at this right now uh crown and tower did you say legendary kingdoms yeah mm -hmm. yeah so crown and tower yeah is it something you can do solo oh it's intended to be solo although i can see where you and one other person uh you know if you've got a youngster this is very i think so far what i played very appropriate for a youngster to kind of introduce them into like role playing interesting i've been thinking a lot about that lately um the idea of this mixed media and what you can do with an RPG, because just looking at the market, you've got solo games blowing up. They're really, you got to have a solo mode now. And I actually, I've got all kinds of thoughts on the pressure of putting a solo mode in. Um, But it's also, there's a lot 
the RPG light thing is is huge now too, right? Yes. People love this storytelling element, mm-hmm. and That's I mean, true. as a as a writer of sorts, I'm really attracted to the idea of being able to develop something like this, you know, with with just a word processor, to, you know, to get the main guts of it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. That's, that's kind of where I've been putting a lot of my time in because as you said, you know, um, solo gaming is kind of where it's at, but this game allows for a lot of, and I'm using air quotes here, role, R-O-L-E playing mm-hmm. as, a part, as opposed to R-O-L-L playing, which I think sometimes really grinds down and, and slogs sure. down the, uh, the real RPGs like D&D and Pathfinder and stuff like yeah. that because you're doing all the math and all the calculations and looking at your character sheet and then you're like, you don't role play anymore. You're just yeah. rolling dice. Yeah. And that's, I mean, shoot, man, we've talked about that a lot, right? Yeah. And I, th- I think we all agree we're probably a little more on the ROLE play. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of what's so interesting about the hobby is that all these different uh, folks come together with different things they want to see and you, you sit at an RPG table and some people aren't really role-playing, they're R-O-L-L playing, but I don't know. And I, I guess that's a whole other thing for the GM, right? You've got to yeah. kind of balance those things and, and uh, put enough out there for all the different players at the table. But yeah, I, I mean, I love the idea of more L-O-R-O-L-E play. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a balance, like you said. And yeah. the only other thing that I, that caught my attention and I don't mean to, you know, capitalize on the bizarre the bar bizarre but no no the whole old tsr versus the new tsr which is not really the old tsr buddy and you know (laughs) and i don't know really a whole lot about it but it is it feels like a family feud yeah man it's uh so logan have you followed it at all um i saw a couple people i saw a robert with a mutual friend mention it and then Chris Lights kind of tried to explain it to me in like layman's terms. And then Dean was telling me a little bit about it before you got on here. Mm. So I'm not super well versed. Um, but it's my understanding that TSR was the original company that owned Dungeons and Dragons, who obviously no longer own Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah. But they are, um, they announced like they're their own company again, kind of thing. Yeah, it, they, they're, they're, I think they're trying to capitalize on the whole OSR, the old school sure. revolution, yeah. you know, yeah. of gaming. And because D&D 5. whatever it is now, 5e, you know, yeah. it is a, a much different game than it used to be when it was first edition and basic. And I think there's a lot of desire from some people who want to kind of go back to the, not go back to the old days, but they just have a, a feeling of nostalgia for that first edition or that second edition. And I think they're trying to capitalize on it. Although they are not producing anything except one game and it's called giant land. They've got nothing to do with D and D. So yeah. there's, there's really like, okay. So normally with these issues, I'm like, Here comes Matt. yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm normally moth to the flame, but I've been busy and reprioritizing my time and my perspectives. And I'm not going to get all deep on that, but I spent less time uh, digging into this discourse. But man, I can see that this is causing some some serious ripples. Yeah. Um, and it, it's becoming that. a dumpster fire. It is yeah, becoming. Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. Um, and I don't really. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to go on my usual train because I'm actually trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to step back a bit from. Uh, I don't know. Always just putting my foot down on certain things, but. 
this seems to me like I, I don't think I get what the issue is with the new fifth ed. Like if you don't like the system, that's acceptable, right? I get that. But it almost feels like um, new D&D has a very strong inclusivity message, right? Would, it's trying yeah. to, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, and it's written right in the rule book. But like my gaming group, you know, we picked that up. It wasn't something that um, struck us as odd. I was kind of reading like, oh, cool. Okay, great. But here's the thing about RPGs. They have always been about you cherry picking the things that you want and the things that you want to add and creating your own versions and your own settings. And so I don't really get what it is that is that necessitates this. It feels to me that if you're taking the stance of, oh, we need something else that doesn't have this uh, inclusivity element, or I want to remove politics from the gaming table, I guess I just don't get why uh, you need a special thing to do that. Like You shouldn't. And that's the... It's kind of the agreed upon contract between the GM or the DM yeah. in this case yeah. and the players. Um, mm-hmm. I always set forth when I play a game exactly what I'm going to allow and what I'm not going to allow. And I allow a lot. Yeah. Um, some stuff that might be considered controversial. Sure. But that's my game and it's my people. And, you know, I've never in the, my long years of playing D&D yeah. ever thought that the game was in any way, shape, or form, at least I never had any impressions that it was, you know, something that was off color. Right. And, and, and I think too, you probably, if there's something coming, that's going to be, or if there's certain elements in your game, you're probably going to let your players know, right? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of a setting I, this is. Yeah. I had an adventure where it was very bloody and this was like, you know, wholesale slaughter of families i mean mm-hmm. we're sword and sorcery type guys we're fans you know we, yeah. we yeah. read that stuff and i put that into my games yeah and i mean that's an interesting thing too because this is another thing i'm seeing uh online a lot which is just i'm finding increasingly curious with uh conan fandom is the idea that conan is a power fantasy i get that i get that from the time when i was a kid right mm-hmm. and that's still there a bit but I never am like, I should be like Conan and live my life like him. And people should, uh, you know, that the world should be like that. Or I should take these philosophies, like the idea of barbarism versus civilization. Come on, man. I don't know anybody who actually <laughs> down to their core wants that, right? I the like barbarism. Yeah, exactly. I love air conditioning. <laughs> I like being kind to people and not splitting skulls. It's like, but I also get the sort of, draw of being a you know an independent person and being strong and you know by the strength of your own fuse to get through life but i don't try to actually be that so anyways i don't know where i'm taking that but regardless it's a it's an interesting and very dramatic uh uh, an unfortunate turn of events um between uh the gygax family and companies and it's more complicated than we'll probably ever know Well, and I think, I think ultimately too, it's, and this is the last thing I'll say about it is this, I think that it's futile to try and say, we're going to put something out there that doesn't consider certain angles. It's just the world isn't that anymore. You've got to consider certain angles. And I think it's down to like what you're saying, Dean, like make people comfortable at your table, let them know what's coming. If they don't want that sort of game, they don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. 
right? It's like it, it, everyone's concerned that like all your stuff is going to be gone or canceled or thrown away. And it's like, not really. It's just less people have an app or fewer people have an appetite for it, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah. I don't really want to. I don't really want to sit at a table of people who are like, <laughs> I'm opposed to your inclusive message. It's like, oh, well, I don't know why you got to do that. But there I go again. Yeah, there you go again. <laughs> Logan, you better take over before he keeps going. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. So um, I guess I'll go next because mine's not mine's not very much. Um, I did want to throw out on Dean's um, first point. I just did a quick drive through RPG search and you can find a free sample of the Valley of Bones um, on Drive Through RPG. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, um, check it out for free. Um, free PDF. You can also buy the whole thing, um, watermark PDF on Drive Through RPG for sixteen sixty three. So there you go. Love um, Drive Through. Love it. Yeah. Such a cool. Yeah. It, there's so many possibilities, and people are really exploring that. And that's how I discovered it. And then they, yeah. I got notification of a Kickstarter, so I backed the second volume. Excellent. Excellent. Um, mine. So mine is the, the video game front. Um, a couple things have happened in the world of um, fantasy video games. Um, Isle of Sipta for Conan Exiles came out on consoles since our last podcast. And mm. um, I haven't played it myself, but I have seen like I've watched some videos and stuff um, and it looks pretty cool. I, I, I'm excited. I'm actually leaving for Mexico on july 10th so i don't have a whole lot of time for video games right now and i'm saving that money for vacation but it is something i'm looking forward to checking out i know matt and i have talked about it Mm. um there's also if you haven't heard there's a modifius 2d 20 conan crossover with conan exiles and i'm pretty sure we know someone who wrote some stuff about that (laughs) i can't for the life of me think of the name but i know that we know him some jabroni who's like <laughs> super, uh, you know, opinionated and alienating to all of his fans. Whoa, hold on. I no. just said I have fans, not my fans. <laughs> fans of the show. Fans of the show. Uh, <laughs> on uh, on a more high fantasy note, I, I am, I'm a fan of the Elder Scrolls series and I'm not going to talk about Elder Scrolls 6 because um, Matt just informed me it's probably it's another like three years out. off. It's and I'm, I'm coming out. Yeah, it's never coming out. The world will end before Elder Scrolls 6 comes out. Yeah. Um, but I do occasionally play Elder Scrolls online and their newest um, like downloadable content chapter came out earlier this week. Um, it's called Blackwood. And um, the Elder Scrolls online really likes to play into nostalgia. They had a whole thing on, or a whole DLC on Morrowind and now we're returning to Cyrodiil and kind of like a play on um, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um, so you kind of see that from a different perspective. Um, and it's always nice, I guess, as an Elder Scrolls fan to see how or see the world, places of the world we haven't been to yet and see that stuff played out. Um, even though like the online game, I still have like some gripes as far as like lore breaking or gameplay wise. It is still a good fantasy adventure and most of it is soloable. So you can experience a vast majority of the content on your own if you don't have friends into it. And it's super easy to pick up random groups too. Um, so if you like that kind of stuff, I would suggest um, now's a good time to get into it. You can buy the bundle um, for like normal price with that stuff and get all the other stuff with it too, all the other DLC chapters. So if you want to fight dragons, there's that. If you want to 
uh, go back to Morrowind. You can, if you just want to do like the, the PVP Alliance war stuff, it's actually pretty fun. And I'm terrible at PVP and I hate PVP, but I have tried it. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm just bad at video games. Yeah. Like if I'm playing with other people, uh, I'm always the loser. I don't play first person shooter games online because I just lose. It's not fun for me to lose all the time. You know what really turns me off, though? And like I see uh, people having it as this personal uh, success story where they're really good at video games. And I'm (laughs) like, dude, like uh, that's great. You know, yeah. yeah. I just don't respect it that much. Yeah. No, I feel that. I mean, I respect it. That's your hobby. That's great. But it's like they're like boasting about things online. And I'm like, "Ah, yeah, right. So. You can shoot virtual characters really well. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. No, That's I feel fun. that. I feel Related that. to Elder Scrolls, did I see something just today that the Netflix series is putting like a crap ton of money towards their Netflix series? Yeah, like millions of dollars. Scrolls? Yeah, yeah. Like Netflix. one point or one one hundred and fifty some million dollars per yeah. season. Something like that. Yeah, they're really going for broke. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know until it cut like today, yesterday. I don't know that there was even a series or that Netflix has acquired the rights. I didn't either. Um, I but I, was like reading I heard that a while ago, but it wasn't we got this covered, was it? No, no. It was in a couple different places, actually. So. Yeah, I think the earliest rumor came out like December 2020. Yeah. yeah. Way back in the day, they had announced like a Legend of Zelda series, and I think <laughs> it was actually legit, but I've not heard since. I think the problem with some of those big name properties is they do require a lot of money. Oh yeah. And I think like, Oh, sometimes it just falls through. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, like, totally. Nintendo man. It's is notoriously protective yeah. of their stuff. And I can totally see like where they want a series, but they also want like majority control, which we know isn't going to mm-hmm. happen. And then it just goes away. And that's just how things happen. I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But not Conan this time. It's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You wait I, for it. I think I have some inside information on that. Really? I don't even well, have inside information on that. I wouldn't say it's inside. It's just, you know a good conversation <laughs> at uh, a particular uh, uh, weekend event that happened. Oh yes. Oh yeah. 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 I meant to hit up certain individuals to uh, hear what the latest is as well, but I've not. Anyways, we'll keep that. Uh, we'll keep that close to the chest for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Matt, what you got, man? Well, I got a variety of things that have been floating around. I'm actually excited about all kinds of stuff. Um, I just got a PlayStation five somehow and yeah, they're still elusive and hard to get. Um, and that's exciting because this is like the first time ever in video games where you buy the latest console and it makes your previous generation of games better. Right. Like there's a lot that are a lot have patches for PS5 that ups it. But your your sort of frame rate, I think, is increased across the board anyways. So that's kind of why I wanted one. There's not really any current uh, PS5 games that I definitely want. It's that I kind of just want that boost. Right. If I want to play video games, I want to be snobby about it and have the good system for it. So um, been playing that a bit started playing a doom just put out a patch so i was like "Ooh, we'll try that again um 
But something that has been really, my wife and I have been enjoying quite a lot is a series on Vice um, called The Dark Side of the Ring. And intriguing. Yeah. So it is a true crime show, essentially. Okay. Focused on uh, wrestling. Oh, okay. We talked about this before. I didn't make the connection. We, we talked about the it. Show, right. Okay. But we have talked about this before. I wanted to make sure my memory is yeah, yeah, flimsy, yeah. but uh, yeah, we talked about it in our group chat. Yeah, because we've um, always been planning a wrestling yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. And we just haven't ever gotten to it. Exactly. Um, but this was like, and you know, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I've got a lot of nostalgia for it back in the day. Um, and this show like was really kind of it's it's very well done but not only is is it well done but the stories will just blow your mind and i find myself you know reflecting on wrestling as a thing like as a medium and like it's it's theater mixed with you know uh melodrama and it's like a soap opera but it's also fantasy you know, we've talked about people believing Undertaker's actually an undead being, <laughs> like Papa Shango putting <laughs> yeah. curses on people, Walton Warriors from Parts Unknown. It's kind of sword and sorcery, right? And this reminds me of Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, the green, <laughs> the green bastard. Yeah, the green bastard, Parts Unknown. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's funny that I know people who are involved with Trailer Park Boys and <laughs> the series that I'm talking about right now, because it's all from here. There you go. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say about it? Y- yeah. So I, I was kind of floored just how engrossing it is. And some of these stories are, you know, you've heard main ones of like, you know, Owen Hart dying and, um, I don't know. So th- there's been some big controversy, like Chris Benoit, right? That's a, that's a tragic, horrible thing that occurred, but, um, I, Who's is that me? Okay. Did you hear growling? No, you're haunted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so this show, uh, it's, I, I think even if you didn't like WWE or WWF or wrestling in general, you'd probably find it a captivating watch. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I find it is there's really nothing else like it. Wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What else is like uh, that? It's a bizarro world that exists in our own bizarro world. Yeah. And I will also say, you know, the old thing is, oh, it's all fake. It's like, yes, the results are predetermined. But like, man, those guys have put themselves through serious abuse. Oh yeah, all those like all those retired wrestlers. Oh, they're dropping know. like flies. But... Yeah, and half of them, you know, you know, living in poverty or yeah, just like crippled beyond like the ability to work elsewhere. You know, and, and and this is the one thing I find most fascinating about I think all of it is Vince McMahon. Okay, Vince McMahon is a super villain. He's a real life villain, right? <laughs> and he doesn't even hide it. He's like a terrible person (laughs) and he, but he admits it. He plays into it, but he's like, yeah, someone's going to get mad at this, but like 
he is he's Donald Trump, but jacked on roids with 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 less power. I have to say, I know very little about wrestling, but you are intriguing the heck out of it. <laughs> telling you, man. <laughs> like, wow. This is like, is it a soap opera or is it wrestling? Well, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the thing, right? It's like a reality and fantasy mix because Vince's persona is very much like who he seems to be. And all these accounts from previous wrestlers are like, the dude is smarmy as hell. Um, he's probably going to sue me right now. I don't know. Like, you can't give him. <laughs> blood from a turnip but um <laughs> anyways if you have even a remote interest uh dark side of the ring on vice is is worth your watch um i'll have to check it out yeah yeah that super interesting yeah i mean i i know the the filmmaker he and i you know go kind of way back and i've you know certain episodes i finish i'm like dude that and you know i get a little inside scoop with it but so i mean i suppose there's some bias but i i really do think it's it's one of the more fascinating shows i've watched in a while and i think our listener base it's probably some carryover with uh wrestling etc so dark side of the ring on vice check it out all right oh could recommend mm. so shall we get into it yes yes Good. um <laughs> we did have an ulterior motive here um for inviting dean onto the show um because he's the only rogue so far that has attended Howard Days, which ah, actually, you know, twice. happened here. Yeah, he's gone twice. Twice. Um, and he's in Canada, so Matt has no excuse. Well, hold on. He's in Canada. <laughs> Dean, you're in Canada? Aren't you in Canada? No, I'm in central Illinois. Oh, yeah, I thought no. you, that's, that's basically Canada. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought but, you were in Canada for some reason. Never no, mind. No. Still, I live in the, the middle tickets, of cornfield. Not that much of a difference. <laughs> I live in the middle of a cornfield. No. Oh, sounds like, like Dean. Home. Dean, you like shoot guns and stuff, don't you? Oh yeah, I yeah. I'm a I'm a avid uh, outdoorsman type guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. German shepherds in the background. Mm-hmm. If you hear the German shepherds, they're panting right now because they got done on yeah. a little bit of a walk. So. Uh, sure. But yes, I was down in uh, Howard Days in Cross Plains, Texas, and I assume you want me to talk about it. Yeah, we'd love <laughs> to hear about it. We, we want or do you have insight. questions about it? Yeah. You, want, you know, you want you have questions about it or should I just kind of launch right into it? You got any questions, Matt? Um, I don't have specific questions. Okay. I guess it's that. Maybe you know, they'll come up as I talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I just often, you know, look at it vicariously. You know, I know a lot of the people are going. I'm in, involved well, okay. in certain projects to come up there. So, right. you know, a fly on the wall. Uh, give me the fly on the wall view. Well, yeah. my first impression of it was when I went down in 2019, I thought it was going to be bigger than it was. Now, mm-hmm. Cross Plains, Texas is a town of 950 people. Wow. Okay. And I grew up in a town that size. Actually, I grew up in a town smaller than that. And when you have something that is uh, an attraction to a town that size, you go all out. And Howard Days is their thing. Um, Hmm. In 2019, they also had a concurrent event called Barbarian Days, which was kind of like a a small town festival, carnival, you know, Uh, all the things that you would think about, you know, that would go along with it. But Howard Days was the more, uh, uh, you know, enlightened, if I can use that word, event. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, that that's all about Robert E. Howard. Howard yeah. Days is about Robert E. Howard. Barbarian Days is an excuse to throw a party in a small town. My um, my little hometown had had family fun days. It's a yes. far less hardcore name for their <laughs> festival. Right. You would um, expect at Barbarian Days, it'd be like log tossing and and you know, rock splitting and you know, yeah. skull smashing. The yeah. inflatable castle wouldn't yes. last long. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Barbarian days. Bunch of dudes in loincloths doing the jumping right. castle. Yeah, yeah. Um, too bad they didn't call in. I, I'm a reenactor also. Too bad they didn't call in like medieval reenactors to do like battles and stuff like that. Oh but, yeah, that'd be rad. Yeah. So anyway, um, the day both both times I went were very similar to each other. Although in 2021, it was kind of a breath of fresh air because it was like um, everybody just wanted to be there. They they wanted to you know. It wasn't just the fact that they'd been cooped up with COVID. I think it was just that they had a special guest who was there, who was Roy Thomas from Marvel. Right. He was uh, Stan Lee's right-hand man and the guy responsible for getting Conan into Marvel Comics back in 1970, 70, I think it was. Um, maybe it was 71, something like that. Anyhow, when you go to Howard Days, you show up at the Robert E. Howard House. It's actually the Dr. Howard House. And you're surprised at how small it is. It is maybe, maybe a thousand square feet. It is small. It's got uh, a bedroom, a living room, a dining room, and originally a kitchen. And the back porch was kind of a sleeping area. And then, of course, where Robert E. Howard stayed was kind of like a screened-in open air porch. Okay. Um, so you go there and you're greeted by Arlene Stevenson, who is this wonderful woman who is probably in her uh, early to mid 70s, I would think. Almost everybody who puts this on seems to be, at least the people from across uh, Plains, seems to be, I'm going to use the word older, more distinguished. Um, sure, and what's that? This is, makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happens in these small towns. It's right, the people who are older are the ones who are making things happen. It's not the young people. Exactly, there's it's not the a, older people. Yeah, not a large young population. A right. lot of small towns in the yeah. Midwest. So you show up and you can take a tour on an air conditioned school bus and take a tour of the uh, of the area surrounding Cross Plains, Texas, with Rusty Burke, who's one of the original founders of Robert E. Howard Days, and he does a great job of kind of relating how the topography and, and the environment and what was going on during the, uh, you know, the big oil boom of that time period kind of influenced, you know, the way Howard viewed the world. Okay. And, you know, he put a lot of that uh, environment into his stories, as we all know. And so that's kind of how the first part of the day goes. And that's really only like an hour and a half of it or so. You start at nine o'clock and you're back to the uh, pavilion by 1030 or maybe 11 o'clock. And they have this wonderful small town hot dogs, potato chips, chili and cheese and free pop and beer and water. You just sit down at a, at a picnic table and you're sitting down with people like Roy Thomas and Rusty Burke and all these people who are noted scholars of Robert E. Howard. You're at a picnic table in this little yeah. pole barn thing. There were 200 people this year at the event. And that is a record breaker. Mm-hmm. Really? So That's actually surprisingly small. Like I would have, I was imagining more people. But you know what? If it had more people, I think it would lose something. Sure. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. I really, 
I mean, not that I don't want it to grow, but I mean, and I have no vested interest in it other than as a fan, but I think yeah. that if it became a big thing, it would lose something, especially in the small town. There's no yeah, hotel in Cross Plains. The closest hotel is 20 miles away. Whew. Okay. Oh. Um, and that's in a totally different town. Yeah. So um, they have other things going on at Howard Days to celebrate Robert E. Howard. And the fun stuff is, well, it's all fun, but they've got things like a stamp cancellation, which I think is absolutely the coolest thing this town commissions a stamp a special stamp to be drawn and or you know it's an actual cancellation stamp not the postal stamp to be drawn and you can go to the post office buy your stamp i bought two of them cost me 79 cents cheapest souvenir i've ever purchased (laughs) um and they will stamp it very carefully on whatever you want some people do it on a program i happen to put it on the new book i bought how robert e howard changed my life who has an author that happens to be right here in this room yeah, on this I, podcast. Yeah. Oh my God, you guys, that's two, that's two, two things two tonight. Things. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that actually, that reminds me of a question. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I know there was a silent auction as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that there were lots of books available. How many books did you buy Dean? Honestly, I didn't because I flew in and I was traveling very light and these people really want some of this stuff. There were some books that, there were some books that I already own and I'm looking sure. at them like, holy cow, I could sell this book for that much. You know, mm. um, uh, I forget his last name, Patrice Lunet. He brought in three graphic novels that are in the French language. No, one's in French, one's in German, and another one's, no, these are the artists, a French artist, a German artist, and I think an Italian artist. And it's all in French language. And these graphic novels are just being produced and they're not going to hit the English market for at least another year, maybe a year and a half. Those things went like wildfire. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were collector's items. You know, you can you, have to can have you a, read, can you read the German Dean? Uh, I, I have to back up. It was a German artist. Okay. Not a German <laughs> language, but I could probably work my way through the German language with a little bit of a help of a translator. We're, okay, good. Well, uh, so, were they the Glenat books, the, uh, the French publication for the, Yes, I like, believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they must be the ones that, um, yeah, before they actually become widely available. Yes, that's I could exactly see people trying were. to trying yeah. to snatch those up. Yeah, regardless of the fact that they couldn't speak French, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm actually really glad that was your answer because I asked that question to prove to Chuck and all the guys at the Whetstone Magazine that it is possible to go somewhere and not buy fifty pounds of books. It is, especially when that 50 pounds of book is going to cost you a lot more because you're going to, have to you know, pay for the Oh, yeah. Get, it get it back on the, yeah. Can't yeah. get it on the plane. Um, but yeah, they, and I'll talk about the, the uh, silent auction, you know, that was part of the, the banquet thing. Um, but the stamp cancellation, and then you can take a tour of the Howard House. And that is probably the highlight for me. Mm. Okay? At least both times I've been. It's, it's akin to walking on sacred ground. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's kind of that way because you're walking in the area. Um, so you know, you're sitting there in the room or standing in the room where Robert E. Howard lived and worked and everything. So that's really kind of cool to be in the room. Um, you can talk to the docents. And again, the docents are all local people who have, you know, kind of studied up on Howard. But what's also interesting is that uh, they, we might know more than they do when you go, Mm. okay. Mm. 
So I try not to embarrass anybody by, you know, correcting anything or whatever you know, mm-hmm. when they talk about it. But they they love the fact that people are there to see their hometown and their most famous son. Um, you can see the room where he did all of his writing and creations, and you can see his personal uh, collection of library books and history books that he kept. Um, he was very well read, and you know where his mother lived and you can see the spot where Howard was brought back into the house and died on the floor. Um, wow. What's kind of weird is I, I thought it was going to be a morbid question to ask about the gun that was used. Sure. Where it might be. It is in a private collection. Wow. Um, it is owned by a private individual. Um, they, yeah, I think, I think I saw his like original typewriter as well. Yes. Like they've, they've got the one they have there is a replica of the same model. Same replica, model, but and, the same model. Yeah, same model, and maybe a year newer. But that yeah. actual Howard typewriter will be donated back at a point where um, the family no longer needs it, or wants yeah. it, or somebody yeah. passes. Oh wow! Like that. Interesting. Um, and then they also have a lot of first edition and you know books and manuscripts and stuff in the in the building, and of course the gift shop. But it's just really great to be on the same grounds as. Robert E. Howard. That's where he lived and that's where he died. Uh, he died in the alley directly by the house where you park the cars and then you walk up to the house. Um, they also did the uh, what I thought was really great, the historical monument unveiling. The state of Texas, uh, you know, gave them this huge bronze plaque. And I mean huge. The mounting stones that it's on must be a good five feet long and three feet wide. Was that this, the, was that just this year? Yes. Yeah. I saw a bunch of pictures of that. Yes. Um, it looked, yeah, it looked very nice. It's really great. It's got a lot of great information and, and background to Robert E. Howard and, and stuff like that. My only concern was I thought they placed it a little too close to the home. It kind of takes away from the view of the home. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. It should have been, I think, moved either a little bit further to the West or a little bit closer to the fence. So, um, yeah. But yeah, and then you're basically there at the house and you're meeting all these different people. That's where I met uh, uh, Frederick Malmberg, Steve Booth, and uh, uh, Jay Zetterberg. Yep. Zetterberg. Um, got to talk with those guys. And that's where uh, me and my friend uh, Henry, who came along, uh, we both felt very reassured that the Conan Netflix series is in good hands. Yeah. Solid. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the same thing, too, with conversations I've had with Fred um, and jay like those guys are smart and they care and they're you know they're not just guys who who have this license to print money it's they right they give a crap and they try and hook up with the the right people for the right jobs regardless of the medium right Mm -hmm. well it says something when the executive producer of you know, the series is at Howard days. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. that says something that says yeah. something, um, you know, you, as, as Frederick said, you know, some people come in and say, Oh, I love Howard. I love Howard. And then you, you know, listen to them or you read their writing and you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure yeah. we're talking about the same person? What so, do you love about it? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, and then, and then the town also gets into part of this, like the library has, a collection of all of 
a lot of the original manuscripts that Howard submitted for uh, publication mm -hmm. and first edition weird tales and things like That's this. Crazy. Even we got a, a small little room dedicated to, you know, just Robert E. Howard stuff. A lot of it is Conan because, you know, that's the most famous character that, you know, he's, he's the poster boy. For, he's the poster yeah, boy, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but uh, the library, you know, they allow people to come in there and look at you. You can't touch, but you can see them, but you can buy photocopied versions of those original manuscripts. Oh, neat. That's cool. Which is kind of cool. That. And that yeah. helps support the library. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's always important to support your local library. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and as I said, Roy Thomas was there. He was the guest of honor. I mean, there was all other types of people there. You know, um, people who were involved in comics were um, there. So you had uh, Roy Thomas. You had Jay Zetterberg. You had uh, Patrice was there. And I'm blanking on the last guy. He was a, um, I think he was a pen and pencil or maybe an artist guy. Who was there at the beginning with Conan, you know, in the Marvel comics? And is they he a guy? Does he follow around Roy? Is I it John so. John Seminich, uh, John Seminio, maybe? No, that was it was a much more common name, okay, um, like Bussard or Bosard or something like that. I can't. Okay. I would have to go back and look. Um, but anyhow, that was the the Q and A session, and it was two hours of them answering and you know questions from the audience. And what I found really interesting is that the reason I think that everybody was there, the over 200 people, the participants, was because Roy Thomas sure. was responsible for their introduction to Howard. Oh, know, yeah. Many people were introduced to Howard via Conan, right? Um, I tried to answer that question for myself. When did I first discover Howard? And I can't remember there not being a Howard, Robert E. Howard, in my reading repertoire i just i mean it was you. like it was just always there i don't know why you see i feel like that is unusual right yeah i think that i think that most it's either you know conan is the first step and it's I either arnold yeah it's either yeah. one of the arnold films or it's the comic books or it's the frazetta lancers which i guess you know yeah the, the, the frazetta covers were the draw but mm -hmm. that was right. a lot of it was you know messed around with howard i was in a small town i couldn't get comic books Interesting. Okay. Oh, sure. couldn't get to them and to drive to a movie theater and, and the, the conan movie came out in what 82 82 right i was still in school i was a kid right mm. i'm older than you guys but um i had to drive an hour to go to a movie theater i'm talking i'm yeah. rural low i'm rural illinois and so for whatever reason maybe it was a librarian at my school who knew that I, I mean, I loved Lord of the Rings and I loved the whole idea of fantasy. I was a Star Trek fan. He may be the reason I can't put my finger on it, but he might've said, here, try reading this. Mm. So, uh, but everybody, they, they all asked a question. Or how many people here were introduced to Conan via Marvel comics and about nine tenths of the people. Raised yeah. Their yeah, so. no doubt. That actually, I have another question. Um, now that you're mentioning Roy Thomas and comics, did um, they happen to say anything about their impressions or feelings on the newest Conan um, inter iteration at Marvel? Roy Thomas himself? Yeah, any of them, either of them. Um, well, Jay certainly did. Sure. Mm -hmm. He kind of makes sure he's, you know, kind of the one that signs off on everything. From yeah, yeah. Our impression. Um, he was silent for the most part for the first half of the seminar because everybody was asking Roy about the good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
you know, Jay certainly did. And I think uh, Patrice certainly liked the way it was going. And a lot of the audience members really enjoyed the artwork being done for the new comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Comics is at least half art and the other half is story. For sure. Um, yeah. But uh, I think there was a lot of nostalgia for the older Savage Sword of Conan and yeah, Conan yeah. Barbarian comics. So that's where most of that went from. I don't recall Roy saying one way or the other in terms of, you know, favorable or disfavorable. I don't think it actually Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Um, I know, like, I enjoy them. I don't even really like comics all that much, but I do like Conan and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed the recent, um, especially the recent Jim Zub driven ones or Zub. I don't know how you say his last name, um, but I've enjoyed them all. I've enjoyed the stories that accompany them. I've even had some fun with Savage Avengers because I, who doesn't want to see Conan, you know, carrying an M60 that's fun yeah i think that there a lot are lot of people a lot of people do uh, yeah not surprisingly a lot of people don't want to see that but i know. think i heard some of that conversation outside of the seminar yeah, you know, yeah. there was some yeah. there was not a yeah. lot of love for that right so, i mean I'm curious, I'm I just, curious yeah and i would say too like you know i think it's probably not a bad thing for the brand overall to get more eyes on it and to get new generations to see this character um and i think that's kind of a savvy way to look at it brands will die with the people who loved them if you don't get new material and new audiences so you you got to do that to an extent yeah everything is is one yeah everything is one generation from extinction exactly and i i would just say too like jay and fred and steve um those guys are a they are a treat to work with like they're in the world of uh, working with licensors and um, IPs, it's not always smooth, right? There's big processes, but those guys are always very open to good ideas and going with the flow um, and just kind of hearing a good idea and saying yes. And I I just want to say that that's awesome. I also want to say too, um, what you're describing, Dean, too, these um, actual conversations, I think the Chromecast, the podcast that actually gets nominated for awards associated with Robert E. Howard, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their, their most recent eps, if you want to actually hear these conversations, you can head on over to those uh, guys and, yes. and, and actually listen to it verbatim if you like. Yeah, they, they nominate him for an award while you're at it. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. that, Logan? What? Huh? Nominate him for an award while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I will, I will have to say, I mean, you know, complete transparency here. I did nominate you guys. <laughs> oh, I did you. nominate you guys. To be yeah, fair, I nominated us too, but. <laughs> no bias, no bias. Well, I mean, no, it wasn't so much that. I mean, you guys deserve some recognition. You guys have been, you know, you've it's been very kind of you, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. Towing the rope and all that good stuff to, you know, kind of keep the genre alive. Yeah. And in some ways we're doing different things, right? We're not as far down the scholar path. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, we're, we're looking at sword and sorcery at large. We're yeah. talking about WWF, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Arnold did... come on our show sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We had Arnold as a guest, uh, as a guest. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and then, you know, Roy, he answered questions. He also autographed stuff. I'm, I saw him. Um, I went around, had all the authors or as many authors as I could find signed their particular part in the book that I bought. And I saw Roy 
just standing over there talking with Rusty Burke. And I walked up and I said, Mr. Thomas, would you be willing to do this? He's oh, hey, yeah, sure. No problem. So we sat and we talked a little bit. Yeah. And it oh, was that nice. type of con- uh, convention. If you want to use that word, it's hard to call it a convention, mm. but an event where everybody, there was no, like, you know, I'm a fanboy, but I yeah. didn't have that, that, that queasiness in your stomach and those butterflies and that type mm-hmm. of stuff. It was just regular people sharing a love of a shared interest. Yeah. And just having a great time yeah. doing it. I'm insanely jealous of that because like, <laughs> Uh, like I, I have an entry in a book and um, I'm so blown away by sharing a table of contents with some of these people. Like I would have loved to have my personal copy, you know, mm-hmm. make the rounds and get some signatures. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a great book and I'm just, I'm happy it got out there. And it's also awesome too, that it's supporting project pride as well. Right. Yes. Yes. It's uh supporting that, you know, it keeps the house in good order and, yeah. you know, all of the studies that go in towards, you know, Howard studies, they even at the banquet, um, which, oh my God, they had the best country fried steak. Holy Ooh. smokes. And it was, like, Ooh, I love country fried steak. Oh, I'm in Canada. Like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> We've got to get Better this explain boy. It. We got to get this boy down to the U.S. Yeah. here. We got yeah. freeze, freeze fried moose up here or something. Um, <laughs> let's just say that it's hard to describe what country fried anything is. You, you can have, you know, country fried steak. You can have country fried chicken, chicken all kinds yeah. of stuff. It's breaded kind of like a German schnitzel, but it's got this white gravy sauce on it. And, yeah, I, and, I know what you're referring to, but I've uh, not had it. Oh, your arteries not. will both hate you and thank you. Yes, wow. it's worth the heart attack. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they give away a scholarship. And some of the money, I do believe, comes from, you know, the Howard days and stuff like that. They gave wow. away a thousand dollar, I think it was a thousand dollar scholarship to a young lady who was going off to college. And I don't know what she had to do to earn that. I think it would be interesting to find out that it was, she had to write an essay about Robert E. Howard. And this girl is like, you know, 16 years old. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what yeah, it was yeah, yeah. that earned her that money, but if that was it, that's kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Either um, way, it's an awesome gesture that they do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to mention real quick that currently Robert E. Howard changed my life only has two reviews on Amazon. What? And two reviews on Goodreads with five or with six ratings. It is rated five stars, but if you picked up a, a copy and have not reviewed it yet, reviewing helps independent authors and publishers immensely. Yeah. I, okay. I, I've, I've tried to, prom- I've promoted that book on every channel I have at my disposal, right? Yeah. Like I've, uh, and I've got some decent reach with certain companies, but like, I don't think it's selling where it should be. And I really cannot encourage you enough to pick that up. Not only because it's supporting project pride, not only because it's supporting a small publisher who's, you know, doing these interesting things, um, with road blades. Um, but it's a damn good book. Like you've got essays from Charles Saunders and Howard yeah. Andrew Jones and Roy Thomas and Michael Moorcock and Scott Oden and all of these characters associated with this IP. And it's like, it's just a, to, to, to see how Robert E. Howard has influenced them. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to read it. I get that it's a hardcover and it's a bit of an investment. And I think maybe down the road, there'll be a, um, 
there might be a soft cover and you can get it in Kindle. But if you were on the fence, buy that book. And as Logan says, reviews are excellent. Yeah, I have the book. I'm about halfway through. And one, it also helps the fact that I met some of these people. I talked to some of these Mm -hmm. people and it's an, don't get me wrong. Easy read is, is not a bad term. It's a very enjoyable and easy book to read. And it really gives you some insight into the love that a lot of these people have. Yeah. That Robert E. Howard and his writings have positively changed their lives. You know, that can happen in any situation, you know, where people want to expound upon, you know, how this person or that thing changed their lives. It just happens that it's the guy that we all have uh, a certain affinity for. Yeah. And and it's like, so, sorry, I'll, I'll shut up in a second, but um, no <laughs> it's just, yeah, I know what you mean about the easy read, right? Because it's, these are short essays, right? For the most part. Yeah. And it gives you a glimpse into the mindset and these are really good writers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not putting myself among this company. I just happened to be in there because I worked uh, on things with the character, but it's, it's really solid stuff and it's really heartfelt. Like, um, I remember reading uh, Chris Gruber's and Chris is a guy I've never met. I just, I know him, you know, through basically Howard stuff. Right. Um, and it's just really heartfelt personal stories. And those are very captivating reads, even if it's yeah. not even about a character or a, or an author that you care about. Right. It's just, you could, you could just pick one, have a sit down, read one of the essays, put it down, come back to it another day. Even a coffee table book. It's, right. it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I case in point, your story. Your story doesn't really have anything. I mean, not doesn't have anything to do with it. Most of the stories are about how that uh, Howard got them into writing or into publishing or into, you know, some type of you know creative outlet. Yeah. Yours is a more personal one. You took it deeper. Yours is a different tack on yeah, how. I- you know, a lesser known character, but still a very famous character in the Howard world uh, of writings made you look at life differently. Yeah. 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 Okay? I don't want to give anything away, but I really connected with your story because, you know, I, you're a parent, I'm a parent, and that's kind mm. of the tack you took. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I kind of thought like, that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I was talking to... <laughs> I was talking to the editor, Jason, and he's like, man, that's exactly what I wanted from this. And I was like, oh, good. I, I, like, I was certain I was supposed to dig into, you know, get as personal about it as I could. And uh, it's nice. It's nice for me that it actually kind of was delayed um, in terms of its publication because it was supposed to debut last year when COVID yeah. ruined everything. But the story has a happy ending. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I, w- I won't say anything more than that. It's just that it was written in an uncertain time and um, things worked out for the, for the, for the better. So this is good. Well, I just, Oh, I just wanted to say that I thought like I was thinking about it. Right. And looking at all these people and I was, I I feel like I have a gut feeling that this may be one of the very last things Charles Saunders had published. Yeah, exactly. And I think that alone is worth the price tag because i mean a couple episodes back we talked about how we um absolutely like adore uh charles saunders and tomorrow 
Mm. Right. And he passed away very recently. And and there might be other things out there. I don't know. I know that he wrote for a newspaper and stuff. But surely this is like at the very one of the very last things he wrote and, and having it be about sword and sorcery and Robert E. Howard. Um, yeah. I think is that that's deep in itself. And, and like all the Charles Saunders, like his sort of ethos and his approach to sword and sorcery and why he wanted to do it. I think that's all covered in that essay. So, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, if you're, yeah, that's a good point, Logan, because yeah. yeah, I mean, for that reason alone, if you're into the sword and sorcery, I would want to read that. Right. Yeah. Anyways, definitely. this isn't, we're not actually a sales pitch. <laughs> the show is not about. Right. Uh, no. No. Well, it was but, all part of it's, it was part of my experience of Howard days that made yep. Howard days memorable for me because that was my souvenir. Yep. I went down there, Logan, you asked earlier, how many books did I buy? I bought one. I sure. bought one. Yeah. I bought how Robert E. Howard changed my life. And then I had the souvenir stamp to put on the front cover or not the front cover, but the inside cover. And that's my souvenir. And I had autographs from people who wrote in that book. Yeah. And it was all kind of just puts everything from Howard days, which is a nice small little event into one take-home piece of souvenir and you know every time i crack open that book i'll think oh wow power days 2021 i got to meet roy thomas or i got to talk mm-hmm. to you know rusty burke or i got to talk to indy uh in indy indy bill i know it's another guy named indy dave um yeah. so, anyway <laughs> bill cavalier yeah bill cavalier yeah. and you know it, it's really cool and i think that howard days is definitely something that Matt, certainly you should go too. I know, I do, um, and I, I, t- this year would have been the year. I just mm-hmm. uh, COVID prevented me from being right. able to travel. Essentially, yeah. right now, next year is the 90th anniversary of Conan. Yeah, it could happen. Okay. Yeah, it could happen uh, for me. I'm planning on going for that one. Yeah. We're actually looking to move to Texas, um, so that's probably on the list. Yeah. So, but my concern overall, because I come from a small town and this is a small town type of thing as i said before a lot of the people putting these on are are you know they're a little bit more advanced in age than most people and i want to i hope that there is some longevity to this it's been going on since i think 1986 so it's got some real legs to it yeah but can it continue without the help of these people who are so deeply entrenched in making it happen when some of these people you know I've been part of organizations where one person's doing so much and that person leaves the transfer of knowledge never happens. And it just falls apart. You just described my PTO. We had one, one woman who was very, very into the parent teacher association. And then she left because her kid graduated and nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And yeah, those kind of examples are endless. Mm -hmm. And, And that's, that's the other reason too, I would say, you know, again, buy that book because it's, it's yeah, supporting it's project that. pride, yeah. but it's, yeah. uh, it's also, that's a, it is a non rogue blades foundation, um, is sort of the offshoot of rogue blades entertainment and foundation is for, it's like charity projects as yeah. far as I understand like it. Donating so, books and, and yeah. stuff like that, that have like that heroic theme. Yeah. Jason is very passionate about heroes being heroes. Yeah. Um, Matt's in what a couple books I'm in three Okay, yeah. if you haven't read some of these collections, um, Jason does good things. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Definitely and, worth yeah. your time. Yeah. So, and the last thing actually was really the first thing that I did for Howard Days to kick it off, but it's the last thing I'm going to talk about was a visit to the gravesite. 
Yeah. Sure. Which was, you know, that started the weekend or the, the day off for me. And it was pretty cool. Um, we knew where it was at. It's Greenleaf Cemetery and it was in Brownsburg. Brown, I think it's Brownsburg. Um, but they didn't have, I didn't know the location. And there were other people looking for Howard's uh, gravestone also. Had we been a little bit more observant and aware of our surroundings, we would have seen this pavilion over his yeah. gravesite. Um, and it was pretty cool because there were a few little mementos there on his gravesite. And it was just, you know, it's like anything like, uh, like I said before, it's kind of like walking on hallowed grounds. Maybe that's making a little too much of it. But for me, that's what it was. That would be like me meeting William Shatner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. You do love Star Trek. I do. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating that uh, I, I know, you know, a lot of Conan fans are also hardcore Trekkies and those, those two things are so far apart, but it just okay, shows, apart, yeah. it shows the breadth of, of nerddom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I love some Will Shatner. Yeah. Um, oh man. Original, like I'm not as big of a fan as Dean is obviously, but I, I adore the theme and the feeling I love I love the sixties. The sixties series yeah. is the one I'll watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch it anytime. <laughs> I'll watch it. And my daughter, who is twenty-two years old, she will sit down and watch that when she goes, That's more my Star Trek than you know, the new discovery that came out, the new yeah. Star Trek Discovery. So, you know, it runs a gamut. We we're all nerds, we're all geeks. Yeah. And can't we all just get along? If you can put together a show where a guy in a ripped unitard flying jump kicks a dinosaur person, I'm into it. To, to answer your question, Dean, no, we can't all just get along because one group wants to just get along. So I need to launch another label that is for people who are going to get along. Sorry, I came back. <laughs> but I mean, it's just a weird message to rally yeah. against. To rail against. I'm sorry. It's, it's It says something about what you're about anyways yeah. woo, sorry but i do think that uh, there should be some concerted effort to make sure that the rogues in the house are at howard days 2022 yeah, yeah okay I'm just saying just saying i feel I, like yeah. i feel like uh the possibility for logan seems high and the possibility for me seems good mm-hmm. yeah alex always has like this planned trip to the caribbean because he's got like his life together and stuff i don't know <laughs> So that was uh, Howard Days for me was an amazing time. It was really great to be around all these wonderful people. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, I go to good. a lot. No, that sounds awesome. And it's so good to go to something that is controllable in the sense that, you know, oh, I don't have to go, you know, uh, run 100 miles an hour to get to the next seminar. I just travel down to the Methodist Church, grab a seat. Oh, sure. And have, mm-hmm. a, you know, and enjoy that type of stuff. That's awesome. So I don't know how deep we are into this, but should we should we drop in another couple of uh, interesting things that have occurred in the last yeah. little bit? Yeah, why not? We got a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So one of them, um, <laughs> some people are reporting that it's not actually news, but it kind of is news. It seems like things are rolling along a little more. So Perilous Worlds um, is sort of a, something that spirals out of Cabinet Entertainment and Conan properties i'm not actually sure exactly i even work for this for these places but i'm not sure what means what i would just say that um a few years back they mentioned that they were going to be doing new conan material pastiche material um 
and one of the releases was going to be the Emerald Lotus by John Hawking um, and Conan the, and the Living Plague were going to come out. And a sequel. lot of people were, yeah, the sequel. Yeah. A lot of people were hotly anticipating those books and then it kind of just got quiet for a while. And then COVID just like stuck some nails in the publishing industry. Um, yeah. But Titan Books. I got that right, right? It's Titan. Yep, Titan Books. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have sort of jumped on board. So those two imprints are going to be releasing new material. Um, it's a little bit vague as to exactly what form it will take. But I suspect um, this time next year, we're going to actually see some new material, um, which is exciting. Yeah, um, no, that's... I'm I'm curious to see the details because um me being you know into this stuff and I'm not I don't hate pastiche by any means mm. um I have a whole shelf of it um but uh I check Perilous World's website multiple times to see if there's like any updates or whatever and I noticed that it wasn't just Conan stuff they'd also acquired licenses for I think um um fiction taking place in the universe of cults which I think I've seen um like a kickstarter like maybe board game kind of thing or an rpg system i don't know much about it cult um, yeah I, th I think that's actually something also, that cabinet owns as well yeah yeah and like mutants yeah. and masterminds maybe i, I yeah, think i remember seeing on there mutant chronicles yeah that's it that's it yeah mutant yeah. chronicles and I, we also know, and the, if you listen to the show, we know we talk about Scott Odin a lot because we had him on. He also has a contract to write a novel about Shivadas, the thief mm. from the very beginning of Black Colossus. Um, and so I'm interested to see if at all those things were affected. I don't really have an interest in the other properties, but I also don't want them to see, I don't want to see them like lose out on the stuff. So I'm just kind of curious to see where that goes. Well, I think, well, one of the things they said is they're going to do uh, hard copy stuff and uh, ebooks by the sounds right. of it. So some of the stuff will be ebooks. And I think they said the short fiction will be ebooks. Yes. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of uh, traditional publishing, but I feel like, there's an opportunity there to sell some, even just some out of print stuff. So if perilous worlds or Titan are allowed to use things like Carl Edward Wagner's road of Kings book, you can um, get that on Kindle. Yeah. But I mean, even if, if you, you could do like an omnibus, right? That's fair. That's true. You, that's true. That's you true. could put like that in there. Plus his brand McMorn story. Oh Boom. yeah. There's Two a novel. Yeah. You could collect Scott's, um, yeah, you know, the little short pieces he had in Savage Sword of Conan. There's a lot right, of stuff that right. already exists that I think if you slapped an awesome cover on it and put it out for consumption, all of us suckers would buy it, right? What worries me, um, and I totally agree with the strategy. I'm not going to mm -hmm. bemoan the ebook strategy, right? Yeah. That's the future of reading. But there are a lot of people that debatable. just, yeah, will very, not. Very debatable. Yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't going to migrate or not going to be happy about having to migrate to ebook, um, which maybe a little concerns me. Um, it took me a while, but also I have limited space in my tiny house, which is probably about as big as the Howard house. Um, and so I just cannot buy shelves of books. 
So yeah. my Kindle has shelves of books on it and that's just the way it is. Oh my so, God. I need to share this real quick. So I've been uh, messing around with my basement and like, it's an unfinished basement. So the drywall isn't in, in like the center wall. Sure. So essentially it's uh, you know, it's the, the beams and then it's a piece of drywall where it's not drywalled over. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put books in there. So I've essentially oh, stacked them yeah. inside the wall. You know, I got all my nerdy, I got my <laughs> board games, my RPG books. And then above that are just these stacks of paperbacks. And like, it actually looks that's, awesome. That's a great that's cool. idea. Yeah. yeah, we've made it because I don't want to go through the rigor of totally finishing the basement. It's mostly finished. Um, but I was like, we can make this kind of a nice spot just with creativity. Sorry, Logan. I jumped yeah, in. No, but... for sure. No, I get it. No, like um, if I had, I, I rent this tiny Adobe house. And so I don't really have that. I actually had to make a list of books I'm willing to get rid of. Uh, um, yeah. But we're going to build a little, little neighborhood library thing and put it out front. So I'm not like selling them. I'm going to donate them to the community. Hopefully do something good. So someone's going to pick up one of your books and like, who the heck? What the heck? Who is this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think in short, that's an exciting announcement and it's worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. I will say like Titan, um, you know, I'm sure they have various editors and things like that, but I've read two recent uh, alien novels from Titan and they were yeah. freaking awesome. They were dope. Uh, aliens into Charybdis and um, the Cold Forge. So if, if, if it's got that kind of uh, quality, I'm telling you, man, it's good stuff. One of the uh, things related to uh, Perilous Worlds and Cabinet Enterprises that came about for me at Howard Days is I met Steve Booth because he heard me talking to Fred um, about the uh, Tower of the Elephant game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he overheard me and then he came up later and he said, would you like to be a playtester for a second edition of that with no, no, no information on when that's coming out? Uh-huh. Um, so I'm delving deep into really playing that game critically because he says, yes, I know there's some issues with it. And I think that's kind of almost the norm anymore for these games that come out on Kickstarters and yeah, stuff. You're not wrong. Don't get enough playtime. And I think sometimes they try to do too much with too little. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think what that comes down to is production timelines, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's that, um, Oh, I could talk about this in and out, um, but yeah, you would know. Yeah, it's just it's because uh, you have to sort of design in a vacuum. Everyone's like, "Well, why don't you just put it all out so we all test it?" Like, we can't do that. You can't yeah. just release all of your material online that people are paying for. Like, well, Matt, you yeah. can always send me free stuff. I'll do it, and I won't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, Dean, if you want a play test, man, I will send you <laughs> files. You just got to tell me. I got okay. monolith stuff for you. I can do that tomorrow. <sighs> I won't um, say no to that, but we'll okay. talk. Yeah, 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 we'll talk. No, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad S Steve was there too. He's it's always those three. They're always yeah. traveling together. I met the three of them at Gen Con and uh whenever I was there. When was I there? 2018. That's when I first met you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I was looking for Conan and you were hawking Batman. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> that's not what I wanted. <laughs> that's I, all I wanted. I got hired onto Monolith when Conan was like up in the air. And uh Actually, we we met with uh, those three there to kind of talk renewing, you know, things. So, um, Tower of the Elephant. I actually they sent me um, 
a copy of that recently that I received and sadly had to put it on the shelf because I got so many things I'm doing right now, but I friggin love the production. I it love that it's cool. this, it's a small little box. It's like super heavy and compact, but the thing, it's just a very novel concept. And I feel like it's not gotten a ton of exposure, you know, widely in the board game world, but it's, it's just, it's a super rad uh, thing to open up. And I'll tell you, I've got it. It looks great on the table. It's got yeah. a heck of a footprint mm. on your game table. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, for being a small box of a game. Um, oh, you mean just with all the, the dashboards, etc. Yeah, when you put everything, yeah, when you put it out with all the you know the player parts and the, the game pieces, it does take up quite a bit of space on your game table. It yeah. is a solo game. I think it plays best as a solo game. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a PvP. It is only intended for two people or one person. However, okay. I do think that it also works very well as a cooperative. You know, you're both kind of like, you know, playing Conan or something like that. If you get someone you like, want to introduce them to the game, uh, they've already got your money. Play the game however you want. You yeah. know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. anyway, um, the mechanics are not difficult, but yeah. it takes a little bit of in, you got to noodle it around a little bit to kind of get sure. the idea of what it really is trying to tell you because mm -hmm. the rules are just not that clear. And that's one of the things that I'm looking into as a way to make them more clear, to at least answer the questions that come up in my mind and other players' minds and stuff like that. But Matt, you are spot on. Some great production value in that yeah. game. It's very um, cool. It's very cool. And if you were it, to pull it out and set it up, people would be like, what is that game? I want to play that. Exactly. It just looks cool. Yeah. Sure. Like, and that's sort of, uh, because they, they uh, asked me to create, like I wrote a scenario mm -hmm. essentially for the monolith game that uses elements from that box. Right. And I didn't have the box, right. I was kind of going by files and knowing what things were. Um, and I'm upset now that like, you know, I wrote it, tested it a, tons of times laid it all out and i just had to imagine what the tower of the elephant pieces would be right because they're kind of like these rooms you sort of uh transport like a modular in. dungeon right it's exactly That's kind of like the shtick yeah yeah exactly so the way i did it you had like a one of the monolith boards which is a static uh you know big board yeah but you could essentially travel into these rooms it was it was a very it was a dream scenario essentially right conan was living out a, a nightmare essentially um and you could go to each of those rooms so i want to play it now that i have those 3d rooms essentially set up where you would place your dudes because i was just using pieces of paper to to map it out mm -hmm. i've not so had a I, chance to play your solo version yet i'm still working my way through the actual yeah i don't of the regular game yeah i don't think many have and it's one of those things i feel like <laughs> this is just like a curse of a designer it's like you know i do all these projects and then the ones that i think are my best are the ones that are least played because they're just weird offshoots you know well sure. i think part of that is that your solo game or not your solo game your your uh, crossover came out before the game was actually delivered into the hands of the gamers yeah. Oh. I think yeah. it 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 basically it dropped. Got lost in the shuffle. It dropped as soon as uh basically it started showing up anywhere, which was like Australia or something probably. Yeah. Um but as a reminder, that scenario is out there. 
I'm actually going to ask, uh, I'm going to try and get it so that it's more widely available rather than just two backers. I have a certain idea in mind of getting some scenarios oh. in a, uh, in a sort of sampler booklet is what I want to do. Maybe I shouldn't say that live on air, but anyways, too late. I no, yeah. I, I'm not, gotcha. sa- I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying <laughs> I have an idea. Okay. Serious question though. How do yeah. you feel about the tower not being round? I don't care. <laughs> I don't lie. I know it would be I, impossible I, to play the game if it was round. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. No, I knew that was the answer. I just saw that bantered about on the interwebs when this was like first shown off and there were a bunch of people talking about how it, uh, didn't fit the description of the story because it wasn't round but like God. my gut reaction not knowing much about board games like, how are you rounding off you that cardboard like, yeah yeah like, how would that work how are you shipping so, it how you, uh, there's just so much there's so much like, how does it <laughs> in yeah, a okay. tube yeah it's, that's more it. more difficult it. production if these people have better ideas and they should step up and get the job and make it yeah and Dean, I'm go. interested too. You said like a a quote unquote second edition of the game. I wonder if it's going to be a um, like a, a sequel or something. No, I think this is going to be more of a reprint. Yeah. Okay. Um, to kind of fix the issues because I think there may be more coming out. Yeah. You know, I think... along the lines of retelling some of the stories. I, I yeah. feel like there was an announcement or a, a blog post or something where they talked about wanting to to use their modular dungeon mm-hmm. in other ways or to tell other stories. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But they've got to work on, and that's kind of what, you know, I was asked to help do. I'm not the only one, but to kind of smooth out the wrinkles and get the mechanics a little bit more playable and, or at least the rules a little bit more concise and, and understandable and clear. Um, they've got and some work to do, but I, it's not impossible. It's not that far off. It's just, no, no, exactly. And it's, it's just really, it's a, it's a big task, man. There's so many potential holes that can right. go into a Imagine. rule book. It's not even just rules, it's scenarios, right? Yeah. So and every piece has to be, if there's one thing that you're uncertain about, things can grind to a halt. And right. so this yeah. is why you see so many games, uh, especially Kickstarter games, dealing with this. Um, and, as a long and, you know, time, yeah, as a longtime gamer, your yeah. gamers will break the game. Yeah. Yeah. No matter <laughs> oh, how much preparation you put into it or read the rules, they will break the, ga- the game in some way, shape, or form. I yeah, feel like so, a lot of those Kickstarter ones, like with those stretch goals, like that's a trap. That's just yeah. asking you to promise too much or yeah. I guess feature bloat and yeah. more and more stuff you have to test. And yeah, that's dangerous territory. Yeah, that I would was, rather go ahead. Matt. Well, no, I was just that was something I was very careful of with Conan the Conqueror because I got to sort of make a lot of the decisions about um, what we were going to produce, what stretch goals would be. I had a lot of like you know, backers are, are hungry. They want more stuff. I'm just, there's a lot of things. I'm like, Nope, not because I don't think it's a great idea, but because I want everything to be possible and I want it to work. And, uh, you know, mind you that hasn't shipped yet, but I think we've got a pretty tight product there and any, you know, any little issues will be that minor issues that can be corrected. Right. Give me good gameplay. Give me clear rules and let the miniatures sit aside. Everything now is like, you got to have 600 miniatures to play this game. No, I don't. 
Yeah. No, I don't. No. And, and no, that's a great point because that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the guiding principles um, going forward with Conan, whatever we do next at Monolith. Uh, you know, obviously we will have new fresh plastic, but the emphasis is going to be on gameplay and a variety of modes. Um, at least this is what I, this is what I envision at this time is more gameplay. And the focus isn't on just plastic because everyone has plastic. And, and, you, and you got a lot of models in that game. Like I, I didn't get the oh, king sledge, but I got the, the, the backer, like the first box. Yeah. I got a whole slew of minis there. Yeah. And that game was at the height of the plastic crack where, yeah. and it was like, it was a huge game at the time. It was like 3.5 mil and there was tons of stuff. And fortunately, you know, it's a super strong engine and the game just is always a thrill to play. Um, yeah. So what I want to do is give more to do with some of the plastic you already have, offer new plastic, offer new modes, just lean into the gameplay and make that the focus. Cause that's, I mean, that's that what board games are, right? Too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is my conspiracy theorist coming out, but I think it's a cooperation between the miniature makers and painting companies. <laughs> they know you'll you. buy it but never complete it so you just gotta buy more yeah well, no, i'm no. buying more and more paints all the time every time you know another coning game comes out or another game that's got like a thousand miniatures i gotta paint them all because i'm one of these completists and i can't play gray um yeah I've well you can't mix it. it you can't mix it that, that's the <laughs> part that i have the trouble with is gray with painting a lot but yeah. I, I will tell you this is my consumer perspective is that I actually like one of the things that's a draw to me is a game that I could buy and actually envision myself painting. So like I just supported this uh, Witcher game on Kickstarter, Witcher the old world. And one of the things was, I was like, I might actually paint this because you've got like five witchers you're dealing with. That's easy enough. And then you've got monsters, which are, there's a bunch but what it isn't is like Warhammer batch painting the same mini I 15 that. times. That, oh, sure. That makes I sense. hate it. It's crushing. And it's like, I will not, unless it's a theme, I can't say no to. I'm not buying something with that many minis anymore because no. I will want to paint them and I'll never get through it. Like yeah. Solomon Kane, I'm not painting that. Yeah, It'll I've got happen. that. Theme. I'm not going to paint that one. I yep. about broke myself painting all those freaking mummies and skeletons yeah. in the Conan game. I'm still painting Conan. Oh and like God. it's my bread and butter. <laughs> like, well, I, I made pay a, new, I pay a friend of mine to paint it. Some of I made a New Year's resolution to paint one miniature a week. And yeah. That's what oh wow. Have you still been doing it, or did yes. that get you through it? Oh, that got me through it, and I've been yeah. continuing it slowly, but not regularly like that. Yeah, so. that's a, that's impressive. Good for you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we so. all have the same twenty four hours. That's how we use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's very true. Uh, mine often involves wine and sleep lately, so I gotta. Yeah. Sure, my wife will say, "Where's my wine when you're done with your podcast?" Yeah, cheers, cheers to your wife. Yeah, cheers. All right. Well, this yeah, was gents. a fruitful evening, gentlemen. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure hearing about your experience at uh, Howard Days and and all the asides that it it contained. So, uh, is there anything, anyone got any parting comments? No, I just want to, well, it's a parting comment. Yes. Uh, thank you very much again for letting me be part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully I 
did a good enough job that I could oh no it's a, always a pleasure to hear from you always yeah. so i'm happy yeah. that you wanted to do this happy to have you on more i know alex is as well um i know that he's thankful that we can continue even though he's not going to always be present but when he's present we'll all be present or you know whatever works so not a big deal yeah. i will try to be as much a part of the crew as possible but you know uh yeah. i certainly do not in any way shape or form uh think of myself as any form of a replacement for alex just a you know a very poor substitute well, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the ethos or what I'm thinking of here is that like, I want the rogues in the house to be beyond just the three of, you know, Alex and uh, Logan and I, you know, I want, I want to get more regular episodes out um, whether I'm on it or not. Yeah. Um, because I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's always a last and, you know, those who are, into this material uh, and who dig the show, then yeah, we're, we are happy to have you aboard, sir. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So, All right. uh, Oh, who's going to lead us out? I don't know. D, Can't be me. You I don't say it. You want to say it? Oh, you put me on the spot. I've got to remember it. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys do it. Okay. 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 Uh, uh, something about, uh, Something about keeping the blade sharp. I and may your hammers always <laughs> remain heavy. No, that's not. It's uh, not. It's just not it. Uh, may your swords always remain sharp. <laughs> there you go. May your swords always remain sharp. May your swords always remain sharp. <laughs> 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 <laughs>